Daily journaling is beneficial on many levels, including reducing stress, improving immune functions, keeping memory sharp, boosting your mood, and strengthening emotional health. But trusting your mind alone is like walking a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. The world's cheapest pen is better than the world's best memory. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's Super You podcast. I hope you're doing as well as you can during these challenging and interesting times. I always say, I want to live in interesting times, and we certainly are doing that, but I know it can also be super challenging, and that's why on today's Super You podcast, again, I'm your host, Eric Quammen. A lot of you know me as Equal Man. On today's Super You podcast, this is what we're doing. We're giving you a free clip. That's right, a free clip, free audio clip from my new book, The Focus Project. So feel free to get a paper copy and prime it, Amazon Prime it too. That's a verb. Yep, that's a verb. I just used it as a verb. Amazon Prime that to someone that you haven't been able to meet with. It's a good way just to post it forward to say, hey, our relationship matters. I'm thinking about you and I know this book will help you. But anyways, I hope this podcast helps out. Again, this is a clip from my new book, The Focus Project. The harder we squeeze life, the bigger the mess. To make up for lost time, I start squeezing the gas pump handle as hard as possible. In my rush to get to the next thing, my thinking is more squeezing equals more speed. However, this particular pump has a governor preventing it from going full throttle. It shuts off if I squeeze too hard. Hence, squeezing hard is actually slowing the process. The gas finally starts flowing. My mind wanders to the million things I need to do. By not paying attention, I accidentally fill my tank to the top. Without thinking, I quickly remove it while it is still flowing, drenching myself in gasoline. A chorus of delightful squeals come from my daughters inside the car. Aside from their laughter, this was an unmitigated disaster. Then it dawned on me, I'd slipped. I'd slipped back into my old ways. This gas station visit was a metaphor for my previous life. For so many of our lives, The harder we squeeze, the bigger the mess we create for ourselves. In this instance, I should have literally been going with the flow. Journaling. Daily journaling is beneficial on many levels, including reducing stress, improving immune functions, keeping memory sharp, boosting your mood, and strengthening emotional health. But trusting your mind alone is like walking a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. The world's cheapest pen is better than the world's best memory. The challenge is that I never have time to journal. In the past, every time I have recommitted to journaling, instead of it being beneficial, it becomes a burden. The problem is, each time I approached it the same way. Consequently, each time I failed. I wasn't adhering to Einstein's wisdom. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. I needed to change my approach. This time, I decided to approach journaling with two main differences. One, start with a sentence. 
If that's all I can do for that day, so be it. But at least write one sentence. This is a pragmatic approach. History has proven that on some days, I will not have 15 minutes to journal. Number two, don't just chronicle the day, but think back five, ten years ago for a favorite memory or story and jot it down. For example, write your elementary school teachers' names or quickly jot down your friends' names from Little League or Scouts. Draw your childhood home and sketch the neighboring homes, labeling them with corresponding family names. I find it helpful to have a theme for each week. One week I focused on high school memories, and the next week around stories from my days working at Yahoo. Sometimes this sparked me to call someone for the first time in decades or send a nice note, like mailing a thank you card to my fifth grade teacher. Brainwaves for the ages. Around the age of 24, the processing speed of our brains starts to decline. Sad, I know. As processing declines, so does the ability to switch tasks and handle interruptions. For example, the older we get, the more we struggle with filtering out background noise in a crowded restaurant. That's why we often hear our fathers or grandfathers say, I can't hear a damn thing in that restaurant. It's too noisy. It's not simply the result of the physical decline of the year itself. Older adults are 10% more likely to pay attention to the distracting information than younger adults who are able to block out these noises and distractions. An older person's brain tends to function more like a 19 to 30 year old early in the morning. This is another reason why earlier in the book we stress the importance of winning the morning to win the day. Participants perform better on cognitive tasks when tested in the morning. Older people do, however, have other focus advantages. Specifically, Harvard professor Joe DeGuttis, co-author of a study on sustained attention, indicated that younger workers may have greater difficulty devoting their energy to tedious tasks. He goes on to say that older adults are often better at deeper focus and less likely to have their minds wander while performing difficult tasks. Former Marine Bob McCann credits his ability to concentrate for his successful 26-year career in the Marines, where attention to detail is critical. Younger kids can't focus because they're jumping between too many things. You can't be successful if your nose is stuck in your phone all day. Diderot effect. In 1765, French philosopher Denis Diderot was 52 years old, and his daughter was to be married. Diderot is well known as the creator of Encyclopedia, one of the most read encyclopedias at the time. Despite his fame, Diderot wasn't rich, far from it. Diderot couldn't afford a dowry, let alone an extravagant wedding for his daughter. Catherine the Great learned of his plight and bought Diderot's personal library. Diderot suddenly found himself a wealthy man. To celebrate, he purchased a luxurious scarlet dressing gown. Diderot put his old robe into the trash. His new gown was so beautiful that it made all of Diderot's other clothes, possessions, and surroundings seem out of place in comparison. Diderot felt he must upgrade his sofas, chairs, and shoes to be the same splendor as his robe. This behavior eventually caused Diderot to fall into deeper debt than before his windfall of money. He replaced his old straw chair with an armchair covered in Moroccan leather. His old desk was replaced with an expensive new writing table. His formerly beloved prints were replaced with more costly prints and so on. I was the absolute master of my old dressing gown, Diderot wrote, but I have become a slave to my new one. 
New possessions often create a domino effect, causing us to obtain additional items of similar quality in order for us to feel happy. Whereas previously, we never worried about such items and we were content. Diderot initially loved his scarlet robe, but eventually came to resent it. You probably experienced the same domino effect in your life. You paint your daughter's bedroom sparkling purple, and now she wants everything in the room to sparkle. You buy a new bike, and now you need to buy a new bike pump, helmet, shoe clips, water bottle, lights, gloves, bike pants, riding shirt, bike rack for the car, bike glasses, odometer, tire gauge, and more things than you knew could ever exist for a bike. You buy a new blouse, and now you need a new skirt, shoes, belt, and bracelet. You change the lights in your pool, and now the deck chairs seem to need replacing, as well as the table and grill. You get the latest iPhone, and now you feel you need a new cover, MacBook, and iPad. In life, there's a gravitational pull for us to want more things, more of life. And we believe the way to go about doing this is to add more, to build. Best-selling author James Clear, an expert in behavioral psychology and minimalism, gives great advice on how to combat the Diderot effect. Number one, buy items that fit your current system. When you purchase new clothes, look for items that work well with your current wardrobe. When you upgrade to new electronics, get things that play nicely with your current pieces so you can avoid buying new chargers, adapters, or cables. Number two, don't buy anything for a month. Three, buy one, give one. Each time you make a new purchase, give something away. Get a new TV? Give your old one away rather than moving it to another room. The idea is to prevent your number of items from growing. Always be curating your life to include only the things that bring you joy and happiness. Four, let go of wanting things. There will never be a level where you'll be done wanting things. There's always something to upgrade to. Get a new Honda? You can upgrade to a Mercedes. Get a new Mercedes? You can upgrade to a Bentley. Get a Bentley? You can upgrade to a Ferrari. Get a new Ferrari? Have you thought about buying a private plane? Realize that wanting is just an option your mind provides not an order you have to follow. We should always be looking for items to remove from our lives, but that's not to say we shouldn't have beautiful items in our lives. The key lies in adding items that create fulfillment and removing those that don't. Aside from understanding the negative implications of the Diderot effect, the same type of domino effect can play out in a positive manner. For example, if you start focusing on exercising and take on the mindset of an athlete, then, when looking at the options on a menu, you're more likely to select the grilled chicken versus the hot dog. The hot dog doesn't match your new framework. As you contemplate your food order, you think, hmm, a healthy person wouldn't order a hot dog, and since I'm now a healthy person, that means I will not order a hot dog. For vacation, instead of booking a trip to Las Vegas, you go on a mountain biking trip to New Mexico. Or joining a CrossFit club enables you to finally quit smoking. Smoking simply doesn't match a new framework or support group. In this sense, you're manufacturing positive momentum. Whether we derive positive momentum organically or we manufacture it, the key is understanding that a moving bicycle is much easier to steer. And one turn can help start us down a better path. Well, I know a lot of us have been knocked off our bikes during COVID, so I hope you're back on that bike and steering down that new path, and I hope it's a great one for you. And my hope is that the Super You podcast is helping you, and also specifically these free clips from the new book, The Focus Project, are helping you out. I know you helped me out by making it a number one release on Amazon. 
and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. This is Equal Man reminding us, number one, attack the day before it attacks you. Focus on the important versus the immediate. And most importantly, remember that it's not what we take from the world. It is what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you.